Okay, we're on, we're connecting, and we are, it appears, connected. Now that means in your pregame that the music is next, and here it comes, by golly. Have to have a little music. Except them Zionist boys. And they got it all. All right, well, we would too, Alvin. We're picking up after you demised many decades ago, but we're still carrying on your work there, Mr. Alvin Lee. We'd love to free the world, too. That's what we try and do right here at the Radio Ranch with your host, Roger Sales, and the accompanying gathering that come and regularly uh participate in our little discussions and uh, it is uh, the discussions today are dated october the 18th uh, a little now we're in the back half of the devil's month and uh, we have a guy that knows all of the places where people can tune in should they want to be free and understand how they've been enslaved and paul beaner comes to the forefront with a cold or not and informs us of that information. Morning, Paul. Yeah, good morning. And we're on Eurofolkradio.com. We're also on radio.globalvoiceradio.net. You can find those links on exposethematrix.com. You can also find links to the free conference call room that we have where up to a thousand people can join us right on the show making uh, comments having questions uh, engaging in valuable dialogue uh, excellent fun we're on 106.9 wbou in chicago and we're also on home network.tv freedomnation.tv and go live tv we're all over I feel ubiquitous. Kinda. Like I said, we're like an octopus with with tentacles going all different directions, That's just right. less slimy. You betcha. So uh, we got all that platform stuff out of the way. One of these days we're going to be on more than that. One of these days it's going to take Paul a good part of the program to talk about all the places we are. But we're not there yet. We're headed that direction. Let's see. What's today? Wednesday, right? Uh, good morning, everybody. And, uh, boy, we got, I got caught in another frog strangler yesterday after lunch. And, uh, and then I get home and I'm having my apartment cleaned. And, uh, so there's two, three people in here doing all that. And the electricity was off over in our area again for hours, man. <laughs> So I went out last night. Um, my land there. Well, Ecuador. There's a big South American soccer contest going on, and Ecuador was playing last night. And my landlords are big, uh, of course, Ecuadorian, very big soccer fans, as everybody is here in South America for the most part. And they were they were getting ready to watch the game. <laughs> they couldn't watch it. So, but they had a nice fire going, and that rain brought some cool air in. And uh, there's no electricity. And I I saw the candles on out there, and went out there and just sat with them for a few hours and talked. They're just charming people. And uh, finally, the electricity came on, and we got things going 
back in the correct direction. So here we are this morning. Hopefully we'll have none of that stuff going on and it's not it, what's happening we got moist we're changing seasons actually and uh so there's moist air in the area and uh it gets beautiful in the daytime in fact when i took the taxi over where we eat and uh i told the taxi driver because it's just beautiful i'm in shorts man and a little polo shirt and i said there's gonna be big big juvia esta tarde you know it's rain this afternoon and uh and he agreed and sure enough it came and boy it was a heck heck of a storm so anyway that's what happened to me yesterday and we're back here today and we'll see what what the good lord gives us one day at a time you know um golly gee well yesterday because i'm distracted and i got no electricity and i don't get to tap until you know late in the evening so i don't really know a lot of the stuff that was going on i'm very interested however lisa in uh is jim jordan your representative by any chance up there in oh10 lisa's probably muted she might no. be out petting her turtle he's not no i'm not and no no he's not okay well i like old jj he's got a couple of little warts here and there he takes a lot of money from the social media people but uh, i'd like to see him um, get uh, elected as speaker of the house i guess that's still in deliberation 20 republicans voted against him and so he didn't get through on the first vote and i don't know what's going to happen anyway and uh but but I, I think he'd make a real good one and that's buttressed by the fact that all the regular uh, uh the regular sorts hate him and don't want him in there so that's usually a good sign that he's in the right direction we'll see um it's interesting you know politics is kind of like football you know in a way um so that i did uh, tap into i'm very i'm just really po'd about owen Stroyer and what they're doing to him and uh going here in about seven days he goes for two months and he was talking a little bit about how to get him stuff if we if, if we want to get him a copy of the book my book he's got to uh he can't get any kind of books that don't come from like amazon or a publisher you can't send him you can't grab your copy and send it to him uh so that was one thing he went over yesterday and he's going to put the address on twitter where people can send him stuff and i'm going to encourage all of us to just sit down and jot a little letter uh as this proceeds and see if we can get this message in front of his nose while he is a captive audience so we'll see about that we got two months to play with it here starting next week it appears um so otherwise than that that's about all i don't guess any when oh 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 biden's uh biden's probably already in uh satan's sandbox i guess right he was supposed to go and then as he was in process of probably taking off a bunch of the other there was going to be a confab of some sort and jordan backed out and egypt backed out and a couple other people backed out so uh joe may be just going over there and getting stroked by a, a BB Netanyahu. A BB, I'm a yo yo. BB, get ice cream. BB, I'm a yo yo Netanyahu. Okay. Uh, so no, anyway, he's, we'll he's see. Going to go get ice cream. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's probably going to get a specific Zionist flavor. Would be my guess, Paul. Um. Okay. So uh, let's see what else. Had a interesting email from a new gal this morning and. Uh, Gail, I think. Sorry, Roger. Name. Just have to say. Yes. No, that's a disgusting picture. 
of Biden. I don't even want to picture it. Of Biden? Of Biden? Of what? Yeah, Biden being over there doing whatever he's doing. Well, hell, maybe maybe Hamas. Are, hey, you know, can, we can always be optimistic. Maybe one of those Hamas missiles will find him. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I got a report from somebody before, like in the pre-pre-game show. Yeah. I got, got a report from somebody that he heard that Hamas surrendered two days ago. Okay. And that all of the all of the crap that we're seeing in the news is just uh, fabrication, folks. Just watch watch the stuff people are throwing at you. Okay, I mean this thing goes back thousands of years. This little confab over there, and uh, it's repulsive, quite frankly. Um, my, my, I always go back to this. You know, it's a mul- multiculturalism is our strength, right? You know, before the Zionists mm-hmm. moved into Satan's sandbox over there, those, those people lived pretty peacefully next to each other, Jews, Arabs, Christians, all, all of it, for 2,000 years. They didn't have any of this crap going on until the Zionists got there, okay? And since they got there, it's been nothing but chaos, murder, lies, terrorism, et cetera, et cetera. I got a friend here, my friend Romero. He's the flower guy. And... uh he, um, he, he, we get in these discussions, and he goes, "Oh, my father was on a on an aircraft airplane that was hijacked by these guys one day. He was almost killed, and and that's his basis for loving the Jews. See, so I go, well, why why were they doing that? <laughs> Here's the problem: is they set things up where you always see the second punch. You don't see the first punch. You see the retaliatory punch. And then they blame that as the object when they're the ones that caused it. Okay. Oh, they do it all the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, anyway, um, I try and get across to him, and it's difficult. Uh, hey, man, you're you're back in the wrong team, buddy. Uh, and uh, we'll see. He's uh, he's on his way back, I think, tomorrow, hopefully with some goodies for me. And uh, so we'll see because we'll get together and have lunch and stuff. But it's sad the people that bite, that, that take the head fake on this uh, Israel thing. Uh, the, these people, uh, they're, they're, they're just friggin' maniacs, you know. I mean, I've told you the wide, a real good listener when we first started. She was married to one of the biggest Jews in Hollywood. She's a goy. Okay. You know, they like those shiksas. And so uh, she told me they came down and visited me in Argentina for a week looking for a place to retire. He was about ready to retire back then. And they came down, spent a week there. Charming people, lovely, enjoyed. He was just a joy to be around. He's like being around Woody Allen, you know, a little diminutive guy, real funny, real sharp, just, uh, uh, and, and this is what she told me on the side that he had told her he was raised born and raised in chicago probably in skokie his father was a doctor and they sent him to khalil school you know the rat the synagogue school there and uh, at six years old the rabbi's up there going you're better than everybody else you're better than everybody else you're better than everybody else no racism there of course and uh he, he at six years old he was so upset by it he's still an atheist to this day he bolted out of there okay and so that's the way they bring these children up. You're better than everybody else. You're Jewish. Uh, 
so anyway, there's there's where it starts, and then they indoctrinate them in the Talmud with all of that uh, guttural sewer crap, and uh, strengthening that message, and here we are. So anyway, that's uh, uh, you know, I mean, when that thing broke last weekend, I was sick on Sunday when I saw it because I knew what was gonna follow generally, and here we are. Um, so, um, anyway, that's obviously a horse of a different color, but, uh, it certainly has a bearing on our world because now it's a thousand year old religious rivalry, hatred, whatever. Now it's in the streets of the U S in every city on campuses and everything else. So they brought their crap over to our country. Okay. And, uh, it's just sad. And, and the, the reason all that has happened is, because of what we normally talk about here in March the 9th of 1933. System changed. They put us into a, a feudal system, hidden. And uh, then they've taken... See, here's the deal. If you get into economics, you know, you, you've heard of John Maynard Keynes, right, Paul? You know, Keynesian economics. Yeah. Well, Keynesian economics is based on deficit spending. That's how they can pump all. They say make money out of thin air. They're not. They're just collateralizing more future income and kicking that out down the road. Okay? And that ability mm-hmm. to access all of this funny money currency because of, of, of collateralizing your future labor uh, allows them to do all this stuff. It allows them to crank out and give all these billions everywhere, here, there. Well, it's just your great-great and great-great-great-great-grandchildren are going to be shackled to it unless you do something about it. And that's what we talk about here. So uh, that's the whole game. Get you into servitude. Get a, get a uh, property right on you. That gives them the ability, of course, to make man-made laws by unelected bureaucrats called promulgating regulations and attach them to you. That's the matrix, by the way. And to uh, also collateralize your future income, take your birth certificate representing the condition you were born into, attach it as collateral to the bonds, and there's your bond market, 133 trillion dollars worth of sovereign bonds floating around out there guys okay now you remember our statistic there's only been 12 trillion dollars of gold ever mined in the history of the world yet we're sitting on 133 trillion of bond debt and there's a bunch of stuff happening one of the listeners was kind enough to send me a uh, jim willie interview hadn't seen jim too much lately he's had a low profile last couple of years kind of and uh he went went into what's going on with the china's dumping bonds left over right and so are a bunch of other countries and that's probably the reason this happened in the middle east the BRICS have got a lot to do with it their own financial shenanigans of making this straw man financial system out of this little element right here is a large part of it because it's crumbling you know i think i mentioned the other day i heard uh, larry fink in some financial thing he was in an interview and he said i've never seen people as scared in my 30 years in the business that's larry fink they had a black rocks comment okay and so anyway that's where we are the they're trying if they don't have a war started 
their financial system's going to implode and everybody's going to know what, why and wherefore. It's much more obvious, at least, that way. So they try and cover it up. One of the things Willie was talking about on that last night was a interview by a retired BIS. He was the head of the BIS. He was a Dutch guy. I can't remember. His name had an unusual pronunciation. Um, and he did an interview back in the 90s on how the only way to overcome this was. And I've heard Jim talk about it before, but he was uh, going back and rehashing that last night. And that was the statement. I, f- I forget what it's called, what he called it. The statement by this retired head of the BIS. For those of you who don't know, and I know there's people that don't, the BIS is the Bank of International Settlements. That's what it's called. It was founded. If you go back in those uh, Congressman Lewis T. McFadden speeches, Paul, he's got a whole speech on the BIS when they were founding it back then. Okay, And when I read it years really? ago, it was really far over my head at that point. Uh, but I kept reading through, and I remember that that was a real object of one of those speeches, was this Bank of International Settlements, the bankers, the central bankers bank. And for those of you who might not know, it's uh, it's the fourth area in the world where no government has any jurisdiction. It's located in Basel, Switzerland. Uh, and uh, on the land it's on, the Swiss government cannot even step on the land and can't serve them any legal papers. They're totally immune. Wow. Okay. They, Completely uh, they, illegal title. Uh, I mean, they, they fly around. They don't even have to have passports and stuff. Okay. So uh, it, it's a, it, it is the central bank of central banks. Now, the BIS, the Bank of International Settlements, controls all the central banks in the world. They also control all the stock markets in the world. They also control all the commodity markets in the world. That's the power these guys have got. So just giving you a little background for what I'm going to tell you here. This retiring guy goes out, and he goes, the only way that we can get out of this, because all these central banks, how, I don't know, are broke, okay? They've probably stolen it all, all right? So anyway, back in the 90s, he's saying this. He says the only way that they can write this and come out ahead is to buy a whole bunch of gold, and as their banks go bankrupt, they raise the price of gold to $10,000, and that covers all the losses that they've got in the debt side, and they continue on. That's why gold is so low and being kept so low, because the central banks are buying it like they've never bought gold in their whole history. Okay? So that's coming. Who's going to buy it? Who's, who's going to buy it at 10000 an ounce? And who's going to buy it from them? Okay, they're going to have a bunch of gold. They're going to well, have like a net worth. Right. But they're not going to have a liquid asset. It's not going to save their they're bacon. Gonna, they're going to do they're what not. the they're, – they're doing what the BRICs are going to do. The BRICs are not going to use gold. They're going to use a gold note. So they're going to take the value of that just like we were before 1933 and put it out in a paper note that can be exchanged between countries to settle trading debts. Okay, Now, they'll be able to take that note just like you could before 1933 and go to the Shanghai Bank and redeem it for four nine kilo bars that's the new world standard four nines nine 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 point nine fine kilos 
Okay, so and underneath that, the local currencies of the countries will be tied on a one to one basis with that gold note of their commodities. And that evidently is the BRIC system. Uh, Willie was theorizing that here pretty quick, you're going to see Russia, China and a bunch of some of these main BRIC nations uh, put a whole bunch of gold into uh, Shanghai Bank or whatever. So anyway, that's what's coming. It looks like and I believe that is. And I do think that's their only way out of this for the central banks. And uh, so we'll see. But that's why I tell you, buy, buy gold and buy, the, buy gold, buy silver. They're going to be both viable. Actually, if you're younger or you've got heirs and stuff, silver's probably the better play. Silver's got more upside than gold here. Okay? And the reason being is because silver is an industrial metal, and the silver market is smaller than the gold market, believe it or not. You knew that, Paul? That's why they concentrate on silver so much, because being a very small market with industrial applications, there, there's an old saying, silver leads gold. Okay, So when silver spikes, gold will spike. That's why they concentrate on keeping the price of silver down so much. They've got another problem with the industrial application of silver, and that is these companies uh, – I don't know, Samsung, whatever, all these electronics companies, they use silver in all of their little toys you get because it's the best conductor yeah. in the world, and it's a, such a, a, a lesser price than gold. They don't want to be using gold in there. They want to use silver. And so these companies like Samsung, et cetera, to make sure they're on top of their manufacturing, they buy silver futures. And what they're real scared of is the price of silver starting to spike and all these big companies that make these toys that use it all coming into the futures market and fighting each other and driving the price up. Okay. So uh, well, it's very interesting. I have a little silver. I'd be happy for them to do that. Yeah, of course. Well, I think silver's got a much more upside. I mean, I've heard people say, and I kind of agree, that silver's probably, right now, silver's probably the best investment in the history of the friggin' world. Okay. Because that's how high it's going to go. And nobody knows. I mean, you're talking, what, $22 now? It's going it's to go up to a minimum at some point of 600 probably higher. What's the ROI on that? I mean, that's huge percentage-wise increase. Okay, so anyway, either play, uh, but get if, if you can. You got any extra cash? Try and secure yourself. That's this is going to be very viable in the future. You can hold it. You don't have to worry about losing your key or somebody getting into your account and stealing your cyber coins or all that kind of crap. I've had every bit of that happen to me. Okay, that's why I don't miss. I don't even advise mm-hmm. cryptocurrency here. Stay away from it. Get gold and silver. If you want to play with it, go ahead. But for the average person, I think it's much more viable for you to have something solid that's got like oh I don't know, let's say a five thousand year unblemished history. Okay. So oh, yeah. anyway, that well, was uh, if very... I if I could do a shameless plug, sure. if I could do a shameless plug, sure. that's why I launched gpsilver.com. 
That's GV for Global VoiceOver.com. And what it is is it's a network marketing structure. It's a binary structure where, yeah, the premium on the silver rounds that you buy is a little high. It's like 10 bucks a piece, something like that. Uh, but there's there's three, nine, and four, nine silver rounds that you can get. You can get them in one ounce. You can get them in fractional ounces. You can get them in multiple ounces. You can get a 10-ounce bar if you want. And uh, what you can do is you can actually share the program with other people. And when they sign up under you, then you get a commission from all of the volume that they generate. So that offsets your, uh, your premium your $10 premium and it builds residual income and feeds families. You know, once you have 16 silver rounds through your, through your program, uh, they send 20 meals to starving kids around the world. It, you can actually do some good while you're protecting your assets. That's gvsilver.com. Check it out. Maybe it's for you. Maybe not, but give it a shot. You've been very, you've been Thank very, you you've been very, in, you've been very industrious, haven't you? Well, you know, you got to do everything that you can to amass enough money to actually be able to buy property of my own in the spring. There you go. And that's what I'm doing. Okay. Well, fair so. enough. I might, I might, I might have a helping hand for you there, but you and I'll talk about it on the side. Um, so anyway, that's the situation there. That's in my mind because I particularly like Jim Willie. I was communicating with him for a number of years trying to get him to understand our stuff. And just like everybody else, he's so focused on what he's doing. This is so out of left field. I never could get his attention on it. But he's a pretty good guy and uh, very accurate. He's got an awful lot of resources around the world of people inside the financial uh, inside the financial system. If I can remember, I'll uh, go back and drag that up and put it at the end of today's show description. Okay, because uh, uh, we'll, hello, hello, break breaker breaker one nine. <laughs> hey there. Hey, how's it going, Roger? It's yeah. Tom D. Oh, hey, Tom. How you doing, man? What a pleasure to have uh, Mr. D with us. All right. Yeah, yeah. I um, had a few minutes. I got to um, I got to make a run, but I just wanted to say hello. And I've been trying to grab you as much as I can and uh, hear the shows. And heard you talking about Jim Willie. He's a he's a unique person. I uh, had a subscription to his newsletter for years, and. Um, uh, he, I'll tell you what, what he packs into, uh, I don't know, 30 pages is unbelievable. Right. He, he's got a lot of resources in deep places around the world that feed him little tips and stuff. So he's got a very unique in, insight and, uh, I like him, you know, I've always liked him. So I like these alt guys anyway. Well, Tom, how you doing? Yeah. What you were, when you were trying to explain about the silver, you know, the price of gold and whatnot to anybody listening was that, uh, what they were going to do was try to raise the price so that the amount of paper dollars that are out there, uh, would cover the inflation that they've caused so much. Correct. So if, if the, if the inflation was, you know, if the amount of paper dollars in circulation was a steady number, they would assign a value to that per ounce of gold. Correct. But since they've made 20 times, 200 times the amount of paper circulating around, they have to raise the gold up so that when you chop up that gold into little 
pieces, it'll equal one of those pieces of paper. So, uh, I mean, that's that makes a lot of sense because people, but see, people are still like, oh, am I going to walk around with gold and silver in my pocket? I'd have to have a, a wheelbarrow full, you know, but they don't understand that uh, a quarter right now will, a 25 cent, uh, you know, a quarter from uh, a pre-64 quarter will buy you a gallon of gas. Yeah, and, and then three bucks. So. And then some. Uh, Tom, uh, let me ask you a question. Are you familiar with Jim Sinclair? That yeah, name? I know. I I have heard him before. I don't think I've ever spoken to him, but uh, do you I, know? Yeah, I've watched his. Do you, do you uh, know his background? A lot of his stuff. Do you know his background? Uh, I think he was heavy, heavy into economics and financial advising and things like that. If I'm correct, do you remember in the late '70s with Jimmy Carter and all the inflation, and then Reagan gets in and he hired this guy named Paul Volcker to head the Federal Reserve, and Volcker popped up interest rates to 22 percent to quell the inflation. Right? What they're what they're trying to do now? Yeah, they could do it back then. They can't do it now. Okay. So uh, anyway. Um, Paul Volcker hired Jim Sinclair to unwind the Hunt Brothers' silver position. The Hunt Brothers were in the 70s. That's when silver was going up to 50 bucks an ounce. They were trying to buy all the silver. 50 bucks, and, yeah. You tried yeah. to corner the market. Right. And they were cornering the market to start a second Federal Reserve with silver as the backing. That was the reason. And so Volcker hired Sinclair to come in and unwind their silver position. So I tell you that to, to let you know that this guy knows where the skeletons are buried. Okay, and so uh, I heard him say yeah. he was he was partners with Jim uh, Bill Holter for a while. They've split. I don't know all why, and it doesn't make any difference. But when they were doing shows, I heard him talking about this very thing one night. And from Jim Sinclair, he said, "If the true price of gold were actualized, it would probably be in the neighborhood of one hundred eighty-five thousand dollars an ounce." That's from Jim Sinclair, not me. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous because, you know, all the paper money that's spread all over the world, uh, once the dollar loses that oil hegemony, it, it's, no, uh, all it, that's going to come back. Like it's, lo- it's lost it. The Saudis are taking Chinese yuan now. Okay, they've joined BRICS. All yeah, right. Yeah, so first, I don't know yeah, if you were. Plus, uh, I don't know. Plus six. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you were had joined at this point, but this statistic came out a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember where I saw it. It was somebody authority. No, I know where it came from. An article that that guy Mike McGill, that's on rents occasionally, that's a real good financial guy. He's got a gold and silver family business there, but he reads articles and stuff. The amount of sovereign debt in the world is one hundred and thirty-three trillion dollars. That's a that's a bunch of debt. Pal. I think it's even in the quadrillion. But no, no, this I is my the, Well, if you put derivatives and all that crap, probably. But this is sovereign debt, which means yeah. the bond market. Okay, these are outstanding bonds that are floating around the world out there. One hundred and thirty-three trillion. There's only been twelve trillion dollars of gold ever mined in the history of the world. You start dividing those two, yeah. you're going to come up with some eye-popping numbers, okay? Yeah, and that'll uh, what that's going to do to the price of silver, it's going to make silver 
hundreds of dollars an well, ounce, if not more. If not more, and that's what I'm telling the people here. You know, for me, I'm 75. I got no heirs. I'm not going to buy silver. I don't care about upside. I don't have that much time. You know, and and, and uh, besides, gold right. is much easier to carry. Uh, try getting 10, 20 pounds of silver and and going and running somewhere. Uh, you're not going to do it very easily. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, these yeah, are the things I that I can't afford to buy any anyway. So. Right. Well, <laughs> if you can, and and uh, uh, people have been the dollar cost averaging, buying a little bit. I know I heard Andy Sheckman do a great interview, a presentation to an audience in Vegas. Again, uh, Wayne, our good listener Wayne from Dallas, sent it to me, and. Uh, he was up there uh, talking about. He said when they started their business, uh, Miles Franklin, he, he was nineteen. His dad and he started it. They borrowed sixty thousand dollars from a guy named Franklin. Their name was Miles, and that's where Miles Franklin comes from. Okay, and uh, he's done nine over nine billion dollars worth of business since the company started. Okay. And uh, uh, he's a good guy, and I really, uh, the more I hear him, the more I like him. And uh, because he's just honest, he's up there on stage, look, and he said this not braggadociously. He said, Folks, we've done under $9 billion worth of business. I don't need to be up here talking to you and soliciting your business. Okay. I do it out of a sense yeah, of duty. Yeah, people like that, they're not interested in making money. They're out there to help people well, that's right. in general. And that's that's what tells you a really good person. Yeah, know? and that's the way they are, and that's what we do here. I'm not charging you money for your freedom. All you yeah. got to do is come hang around, study a yeah. little bit, learn some things, uh, apply it, and you're free, okay? I don't want your money. I want you to have your freedom because your freedom strengthens mine and Tom's and Paul's and Merca's and everybody's. Okay. So uh, you're talking about cryptos. Um, You're talking about cryptocurrencies and whatnot. Um, You know, there's people out there. If, if, um, if anybody wants to um, participate in something that it will not cost them anything, if they want to mine some crypto on their phone and not, co- it won't cost them anything. And if it doesn't become worth anything, then you will have lost nothing. But if somebody uh, out there, you know, there's a couple of miners out there that you can use on your phone. It doesn't really use your phone resources. It, it just, uh, it's, I don't know exactly how it works. I've been doing it for quite a while, and I've built up quite a bit. It's not worth anything yet, although people are buying the stuff off market for like $40 a coin. Um, you know, they can email me, Tom at, Tom at, republicbroadcasting.org i'll send you the links you guys you know anybody wants to do it all you got to do is click a button you click a button once every 24 hours and it it uh, mines but back in 2010 i was trying to buy um i was trying to buy uh, actually mine and or buy bitcoin back in, when it was 10 cents yeah, and every time I tried to do it, it kept telling me it was a virus and stuff like that because I had access to big servers that I could use uh, at night and on the weekends, and I was going to mine the crap out of that because it wouldn't cost me anything uh, while using servers that are sitting there idling and not doing anything, wasting electricity. If you might as well use them, but every time I tried to install a uh, a miner on it, kept saying virus, virus. So it scared the crap out of me, and I never did it. 
And boy, am I kicking my ass right now for that because I would, uh, you and I probably wouldn't even know each other because I'd be sitting on a beach somewhere. Uh, I was going to buy hundreds, if not thousands of uh, bitcoins at 10 yeah. cents a piece. We ran, uh, <laughs> we know, ran a multi, multi millionaire. In one of those programs we were working back in the early days of Bitcoin, we ran across, John and them did out in California, ran across this Mexican kid. Young, relatively young kid who bought $10,000 worth of Bitcoin at 10 cents a piece. Oh, my goodness. He was like yeah, the, he's, uh, he's, he's he the Pied. He's on half of the planet. Right, the Pied Piper of Bitcoin. I, I remember Cliff High. Uh, of course, Cliff was real early, predicted all the Bitcoin stuff years ago. And he made a comment back then that still sticks with me. And he said, this will be the first time in the history of the world that family fortunes are built on something that isn't crime-related. That's a hell of a statement. Yeah. Okay. I know. I've been listening to him for a long time. You you know, I don't know if you've noticed some of, in in the last maybe six months or maybe a year, all of Cliff High's, um, when you go to YouTube to watch him, he's got all this crazy stuff. I don't know if it's just something to distract the YouTube censors, you know, what he's talking about. You know, sci-fi and all this crap. But yeah, then well, he gets off into stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's he can, I really I really enjoyed watching him when he was using his machinery right. to predict things. You know, right. Was, uh, well, a couple. Out. Well, you know, a couple of people screwed that up for him. Uh, but anyway, we're, I guess the home for Cliff now. Of course, his website is halfpasshuman dot com. But I believe he's putting all of his stuff on Substack, cliffhigh.substack.com. I think he's got an account, and he's putting a lot of his stuff over there. I haven't gone and searched him out, but I've been following him for t- over 20 years myself. Uh, so anyway, interesting times that we're in here, and uh, if you haven't done your preparatory stuff, uh, you're, might, you might be too late, okay? Uh, if you haven't bought ammunition and you got some of that good you know, gold, silver, and lead, if you don't have some of that out there, I don't know if you heard this tom we were talking about it i guess yesterday uh the feds went to one of the big uh, um, uh, ammunition manufacturers i believe in utah and said no more consumer sales everything goes to the government and the horn today manufacturing plant i believe gary said it was in nebraska oh they 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 blew up and had a fire last week so um they're going to, they, yeah, you know, they, they know something coming. Burning down food oh, factories yeah. oh, and yeah. things like that. Well, that, you know, they're a big deal. And I don't know if you and I have ever discussed this, Tom, but uh, one of the people that was a mentor to me was uh, retired Brigadier General Benton Parton. And I got to spend hours alone with him, okay? And uh, he, um, he, uh, a super interesting fellow. Of course, he's not with us anymore. Uh, but he was a guy that researched communism very heavily because of the assignment they gave him in the Air Force called the Weapons Systems Division, where you look 50 years in the future and determine what weapons systems you're going to need. And he said, well, the the main enemy was communism, so I started studying the communists, you know. And he kept seeing a, a, a document called the White Papers of the 1929 Communist International. And he went and tried to search them up, and he could only find 
find two copies in the whole U.S. One was at the Library of Congress, and the other was at the Air Force War College in Maxwell uh, Air Force Base down by Montgomery. Um, and he incorporated a whole lecture around these things. And uh, the important part was there's four stages. They, when the Communist International met for the first time in 1919, they proposed these. So in 1919, they were the working white papers of the Communist International. They meet every 10 years, still do to this day. And in 1929, they voted on those and they passed them. And what Benton Parton said was they've used this plan in every country they've taken over since they were ratified or passed in 1929. It consists of four different sections, if you will. I don't remember the first two, but I remember the third one. And you're going to identify. Have you ever heard this information before, Tom? I bet you haven't. Is Tom still with us? Oh, no, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Stuff. Well, the third, yeah, the third yeah. stage is called the period of escalating violence. That's what we're in right now. Look around. Okay. And before they go to the fourth stage of ultimate takeover, where they use that country to to help infiltrate and conquer, you know, other countries. All right. There's two things they had to do to go from stage three to stage four. One of them was to get rid of the death penalty, and the other was to get the guns. That's why you're seeing this fervor from these people to do any, because they can't get the guns. They've been trying for years, but now they're just going to cut off the ammunition. So hopefully you've bought some of those. Uh, yeah, I, I saw people that were buying uh, reloading kits themselves and right. buying uh, the raw components to right. make their own bullets. Well, right, uh, and now if you're doing yeah, that, yeah, they, they, they've got... Right. They can't take the guns, so they got to take the ammo right. away. So well, they're well, even going to be back to uh, using slingshots and stones. They, they've, got, uh, they've got some regulations from ATF that go in on people that buy black powder now, just for that reason. Okay, so anyway, they're never going to get the gun. So this is what they're doing out of desperation because they've they've uh, what do they say? Release the whirlwind. Well, the whirlwind's been released, and that's all this violence. That's all the Soros DAs getting murderers and all these people and letting them out the next day so they can go do it some more so they can contribute to the period of escalating violence. So that's where we are, and that explains it perfectly. And uh, I'm the only person I've ever heard talk about this outside of Benton Pardon. If I may, point of clarification. Yes, sir, Scotty, that's you. Yeah, that's me. Good morning. Yes, nice to hear Tom here. Um, you're, hey, you're leaving hey, out real, the one. Real quick, I'm gonna. Uh, I gotta run, guys. I gotta get my wife to the doctor, but All I'm right. gonna be listening. So All right. I'll come back in when I can. Okay, Thank you. Wait, Tom. Tom. Guys, right. Have a great day. Hold on, Scotty. Yeah, wait, Tom. Wait, Tom. Wait, wait. Tom I'm here. Uh, yeah, this is Scotty. I tried to reach out to you with the email last time you were on. You didn't respond. Um, I, I didn't. All right, it? send it again. Sometimes they get lost. Okay, because uh, more happened. Uh, I was going to reach out to him through the lawyer. I'll resend it. Thanks. Okay. Um, yeah, so Tom at Republic. Tom at RepublicBroadcasting.org. Anybody wants uh, any of the shows that Roger and I did together, or if you're interested in mining crypto for free, I mean, it may not be worth anything, or it might be worth a lot down the road, but it won't cost you a penny. Okay. See you later. Thank you, okay. guys. I'll okay, talk to Tom. you later. All right, buddy. Use your wand. Right. Yeah, Scotty, would you have something for me? What's worth Yeah, what's worth more, a, a half a penny or a wooden nickel? I, I don't remember. Which one is more valuable? I don't think either one of them carry much uh, value these days, and, except <laughs> no, in Ecuador. Except in Ecuador. Pennies matter down here. Go ahead. 
Uh, anyway, what you're not doing, you're not taking in escalating violence. You're not understanding the escalating stupidity. And it, the, the main factor is it's not so much violence. They're, everybody is disconnected. They're disconnected from nature, from Scotty, each other, from source. Scotty, from all, I'm, all, I'm, doing, all I'm, all I'm doing is laying out to you what was related to me by Brigadier General Benton Parton, who was an expert in this stuff. Okay, So whatever. I'm telling you what it is. I'm and telling we know you what, that's a part of we understand that's a part of the, the, the problem, but you have to include the stupidity and the lack of connection to each other and to source, so they, they don't they don't get angry because they don't it's it, it's a it's a valuable component that um, they're disconnected, so they don't have they don't get angry for the right reasons. Uh, okay. I, I yield. I, I just okay. wanted to add. Yes. Okay. Well, I was covering what yes, I was covering a factual event. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think you're right. That's part of their agenda is to get everybody separated and buffaloed. And what did William Casey say? The old CIA director will know our job is complete when everything Americans believe is a lie. That's his statement, not mine. Okay. But this is their plan, true. and they followed it in every country they've taken over, according to retired General Benton Parton, since they were passed in 1929. That's all I'm telling you. Okay, telling you about that third stage. You can see it actually being played out right now in our country. Now, who was trying to say something there? This is Sketch. Sketch. Uh, I just, yeah, I just wanted to pass on. Uh, Mr. Gold passed away. At 82, with a heart attack, uh, according to Bill Holter. Oh, Jim Sinclair did? Yeah. Yeah, he just passed away. Okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that. He was a pretty straight shooter, Sinclair was. Okay. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, his wife, he was, hold, hold on, Murka. I heard him tell this story, all right? I, I know why he's got a dagger out. He and his wife were scheduled to go on a plane trip. And he had to back out, and she went, and the plane blew up years ago. So I know where his vendetta comes from. Yes, Mirka. Demetrius was trying to get in. Demetrius, Demetrius is back with Good us. Good morning. Good morning. Demetrius, where in the hell have you been, yeah, son? how you doing? I'm hanging. Man, I've been out there trying to fight bankers, man. Oh, boy. That's a nice battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of fun, man. How y'all been doing? Good. We're hanging in there every day, pretty much, when we got in electricity and internet. Right, right, right. I'm glad y'all still at it. I talked with uh, Mississippi Mama and Scott briefly uh, yesterday evening. Uh -huh. They were together. Right. So I had a chance to chat with them real quickly. I got a quick question for you. Okay. Um, friend of mine, um, she is uh, sending off for the passport card only, and so she's doing a DS-11. One of the questions she called me asking me was, I guess on the application they've made an update and change where they were, they were asking for a copy of your passport book to be sent in with the application. Well. Unfortunately for her, her passport book is the only identification she has, so... Um, what me and Scott talked about was making a copy of it and yeah, then sending do. it with that'll the explanation do. That, and the copy of the uh, affidavit. That'll do. If they require her to send her passport in, 
they'll if to get this other thing they'll return it real quick generally and the reason i say that is because if you've got an open passport or an expired passport when you do a renewal you got to send that in and they'll send the open one back real quick within a few days and then they'll go ahead and process your renewal and send you the other one okay but i'd send them the copy i'd send them the copy first and uh you may want to tell her to get the copy notarized she could probably get notarized as a true and accurate copy and send that they shouldn't have any problem with that okay that's what i that's what i was thinking too yeah great great i'll let her know that yeah thank you so much that answered that question yeah and uh yeah glad to be back on i've just been a little busy and i try to jump on i listen a lot of times and be keeping it moving you know people trying to keep their homes and trying to help them with that oh man it's just just terrible uh what did i hear this morning a statistic the foreclosure notices went up 33 percent from last year they went up a 24 percent from last month Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, got 3,000 plus cars are getting repossessed today. The average car payment just went over $1,000. The uh, a credit card debt what just went over a trillion dollars. Uh, that's where we are, folks. Yeah. Raj? Yeah. Yes, Paul. Yeah. If I could throw if I could throw something in here, um, when she does that passport application for the card, do get a notarized certified copy of her passport book and then send that in. And then it'll take a little while to work through channels. But once it gets to the point where it's actually on the desk of somebody that's processing it, if they want the book, they'll reach out to her directly. She can send the book directly to their attention. They will take the book. They will know whatever they need to, and they will send it right back. I it think- should make her time with her a few days go make a copy and get this is a true and accurate copy of the original and get that notarized and signed and i don't think you'll have any problems okay copies are admissible in court you know Right, but even if they do need the book, she at least knows that there is a physical being working on her passport. She'll be sending the passport directly to their attention. Okay, and they will send it directly back. All right. Well, if that's her only ID, if that's the only ID she, if that's the only, if that's the only ID she's got, I suggest the copy first. If they object and want the book, then do it. But that way she can keep her ID, and I don't think they'll have any problem with that, okay? I mean, hell, all they have to do, they get a copy of it, they go back in her records in their database and check it, for God's sakes. That's what I said. Well, for that matter, if she makes two certified copies of the passport, if they want the book, she's got a copy of her passport that's certified as authentic. She can use that as ID. Now, there's a couple options for you, Demetrius. Take the the easiest and less obtrusive path here, and if it doesn't work, go to the second path, okay? My suggestion. Absolutely. Well, I'll keep you abreast on it. Okay, man. Anything I'll keep else? Keep you abreast on All that, right. and yeah. I'll uh, let her know. All right. Anything else for you? Thank this you morning? so much for the work y'all guys are doing. Okay. Uh, that's it for right now. You know, right. I'll always come back when I got some more. Okay, and buddy. I'll be well, listening. I, so I, thank you so much. I can honestly tell you, I love my work. Okay. 
It's the most fulfilling, satisfying, yes, pur- yes, purposeful work I've ever done in my entire lifetime, and I thrive on it. Okay. So, welcome aboard. Yeah, we'll you got your water for it, too, because... Thank you. Oh, Thank you're you. welcome, man. I mean, I, the, you go get you go get your freedom. It strengthens mine and everybody else's. Yeah, who is there? Roger, how you doing? I just got a question for you. Okay, who are you? The question is, you wouldn't who, happen oh, to have a who, who? 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 Art from New Hampshire. Art, where are you? Art, Art from New Hampshire. Up at, uh, New Hampshire. Oh, we haven't heard from you in a while. How you doing, Art? Okay. I'm doing okay. Hanging in there one day at a time, Roger. You know? Yep. Um. My question was, you wouldn't happen to have a legal reasoning book up your sleeve, do you? One you could recommend? Legal reasoning? Yeah, a book on legal reason. No, I well, never. course in law. Uh, probably. I No, I don't. And uh, I've always just fumbled through this myself with common sense. The law is very sensical until you get over in this merchant law crap and all the stuff they do. But I tell you this, if you go learn law, and I bet some of you are actually experiencing this, you'll be amazed at how many times in your day-to-day life you draw on that and how much it can help you. Okay, And, of course, you know, one of the things we do here um, is uh, – I think that by learning all of this intricate stuff and how they do this and what they do and how this is different from that and all the things we do, I believe it sharpens your thinking, period, because it teaches you to think that way, critically thinking, if you will. But instead of general thinking of, hey, they're the chosen people, Uh, oh, yeah, chosen by who and for what? You know, but as you get into learning that and the techniques of it and how to do it, it sharpens your thinking, you know, so maybe that's the best ways to learn the information. And I don't know of any books, Art, I'm sorry. Brent, Brent may have some. I can tell you one that he's got is the the comparative law over there. And as Brent tells us when he comes on so accurately, the only way you can learn about the common law is to contrast it to the law of the city. And he's got a book contrasting those two. They used to teach it in law schools. Evidently, they don't anymore. But uh, that may be a, a lead for you on Brent's site, commonlawyer.com. Something about comparative law. I imagine that might really help you. Yeah. Excellence of the common law. Okay, excellence. Well, they call that book on the common law, right? You're talking about, Roger, the book on the common law, right? Yeah, and that's what he does. He contrasts it to the law of the city and the law of the land. And, you you know, Blackstone's commentary is a pretty famous book, right? Uh, it was the second most read – it's three books. It was the second most read set of books in the colonies behind the Bible. That's why the king of England said, I can't beat them. They know the law too well, okay? And so Blackstone – that was the first time the common law had ever been written down. Brent tells us. I, I don't. I don't know any different. I'm not going to, you know, argue with Brent on stuff like that. And uh, so what happened was he was commissioned to go to Oxford and teach a course on the law of the city. And Blackstone said, "Well, I can't teach a course on the law of the city unless I compare it to the common law." So he went in and did courses on the common law so they could compare it to the law of the city, and that turned out to be Blackstone's commentaries. So there's a very good example of that for you by a very, very significant contributor in a very, very important area. 
we got to apply ourselves, Roger, right? Put some brain cells together, right? And do some critical thinking, right? Spend yeah. some time and study. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I think just learning our stuff helps you thinking. I bet everybody here would probably agree with that. You probably think a little bit different than you did before you stumbled on this information, would be my guess. Okay. So uh, that'd be my only suggestion I can think of. Art, if I can come up with any others, I'll mention them. But uh, I can't at the moment, and that's the best one I can give you on the spur of the moment. Thanks. Thanks, brother. Appreciate right. it. Well, you're welcome. Uh-oh, there we're, uh, we're about to get kick, kicked off in Chicago. Is that it? Yep, we're about to get kicked off in Chicago, oh, 106.9 WBOU-FM in Chicago. Reach out to the general management of WBOU. If you value this program and you want to continue listening on 106.9 FM, reach out to the general management. See if they can't squeak out an extra hour for us. Uh, otherwise, if you want to continue the program, you can join us on free conference call. You can find the link on ExposeTheMatrix.com. Or you can just grab either the Global Voice Radio or the EurofolkRadio.com stream. That's it for us today on WBOU, the pulse of Chicago, 106.9 FM. And if you live, in, if you live in Chicago, you've got our deepest sympathies. Okay. Uh, now, uh, Mirka had asked some questions right as we went into the show. I know she's sitting there. Come on, Roger. Answer the stuff. It's important. Okay. I understand, Mirka. And what she was talking about was this topic we've been covering for a couple of weeks on uh, jurisdiction and the formula and how to utilize it. Um, and, of course, we just give – there might be some people hadn't heard this before. Um, the ancient formula for jurisdiction comes from the feudal system. And as the feudal system developed, it was based – a thousand years of legal precedent here. It was based on this relationship. And that's the relationship between a liege man and a liege lord, the lord of the manor and the serf. Okay, and it was it was binding and it was reciprocal, and it was allegiance for protection. In other words, the serf's going to give you allegiance, and the lord of the manor is going to help uh, uh, give you protection with his fortress and his moats and all that. And you're supposed to give him that allegiance, and he's going to give you that protection. They're a reciprocal agreement. If you've got one element, you got both elements. Okay, and this is something I've missed There's for many, many years, and I, I, we're going to find out as we go forward how important it is. What, Paul? There's another reciprocal agreement. Uh, it's allegiance to the liege lord for the liege lord's protection, but it's also allegiance of the liege lord to the serf because the serf if there's an incursion on the it's, land it, if the land if the if the lord's property is at threat then the serfs will protect that that property. manner that's exactly so it goes right both ways. well yeah that's why the other side is automatically brought in when you got one side it's a reciprocal agreement right. okay it, it, this is long standing. I've mentioned it before. We had Pat McEwen, my old buddy, uh, retired Delta pilot, came on one day, and he was watching. He like, finally got expelled. Hell, I've known him for years. He just ne I never could get to a lot of these guys with this. I know Pat came on one day and said, "Man, if I'd have known this, you'd have saved me five hundred thousand dollars." That was his statement. Um, 
so Pat comes on and he'd seen a movie, an old movie, and you'll see this. And the you, the guy takes his fist and he bangs on his his chest armor. Yes, my liege. Yes, my liege. That's this relationship. Liege, L L E I G E, is the root word of allegiance. Okay, and so it's protection for allegiance. Allegiance for protection goes both ways, and it's reciprocal. And the other element is automatically brought in from the first element. It's the way I understand it. Okay, and uh, that's the basis of the word we use, which is so damned important: jurisdiction. What gives that man in the manner the right to make man-made laws and enforce them on me, the serf? That's the question you want to answer. Okay, And so it all revolves around this formula. I don't see how anybody, even one of these corrupt Obama judges, could argue with this. Okay, honestly. It's so established. Okay. And so um, Merca, uh, as we stumbled on this, and it was through a guy in Ohio that got a response back from the AG up there. And, and it got me thinking, and I'm going, holy smokes, here it is. We're missing the, the teeth of what we're doing. We can notify them that we've changed, but we can't hold their feet to the fire, right? And we're seeing that in a couple of, not many, a couple of instances, Joe and Mike down there in Birmingham and what I call local fiefdoms. And obviously these people don't know that or don't want to recognize it, one of the two. And uh, so it got me thinking about all this a little bit deeper. Talk about critical thinking, right? Um how important this protection element is and the reason we can bring that into play is because statutorily as a national it tells us in the public law and the nationality act of 1940 it's the very first definition now what have we learned about these creeps they always put the hook at the first always Okay, when it's real important, the hook's right at the first. And here's another example of it: the Nationality Act of 1940, Definition A. There's, I don't remember. There's a few definitions there, and Definition A is a national owes total allegiance to a small less state, not just allegiance, total allegiance. And if you're a national, that's what you owe. And it says it statutorily, not only in the statutes at large, but that was brought over over into the United States Code via the Immigration and Naturalization Act, and it's in Section 8 somewhere over in there. And uh, so they brought it over, and there's the same exact statement. A national owes total allegiance to a small s state. So our allegiance being and claiming this position is automatic and is total, right? Merca. Right. So it's automatic. It's right there, statutorily. Permanent, permanent, total, whatever it says. might say permanent, okay? But there's your allegiance. There's the half of the formula that you bring to the table, and there it is in statutes at large and in the United States Code. I I just feel they're going to have Roger, to... Roger, I have a question. Okay, hold on, Charlie. I have a, whole, a real hard time thinking they're going to find wiggle room here. Okay, Charlie, what's your question? Well, it's Sherry Roger. Oh, it's... And um, when I got the letter back from uh, the Attorney General in Missouri, remember he said this, they have no contractual obligation to me? Oh, yeah, they do. Doesn't that... 
he's a pretty good attorney general there and i think he needs a little education he might not have gotten in law school quite frankly because i don't think they teach this in law school anymore all right yeah he does have an obligation he's He's got an obligation to this ancient formula that's got a thousand years of legal history and precedent and it's the whole basis of the whole world today who has jurisdiction on you to make man-made laws and enforce them on you so yeah it's pretty important and it is a contract but what he doesn't understand he probably doesn't understand the silent contract from the feudal system either be my guess that runs generation. And I agree. Okay. I'm just saying, well, um, with this new information you brought forth in the last couple of weeks, it changes the meaning of that letter. Oh, you bet your damn I biddy it does. And it, what it does uh, is gives us teeth. See, we didn't have any way to really mm-hmm. hold their feet to the fire. That's what this does for us. Okay. And so. Yes, and thank you. Oh, and it's. it's I like super- your noodle. Oh, well, it's, when you noodle on things, well, I do. I, I, I listen all day and and much of the night. I'm I'm thinking about this stuff. It's been that way for years. Okay, and uh, it was that little letter that jogged me down that little trail of thought. And bam, here it is: the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's the obligation they owe to us, and it is contractual because it's statutory. Now, it might be silently contractual, but if we give them total allegiance, they owe us total protection. And that's that's got over a thousand years of legal precedent, man. Okay? It's the whole basis of what they're it's the whole basis of what they're doing to us on the other side. How why wouldn't it apply here? Yes, Marka. So on the AG notice, we're saying enclosed is a copy of my affidavit of of my notarized citizenship evidence that is on file with the United States Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. And as a national, I am non-resident to the, or I think this is my note, I don't know. Um, As a national, I am a non-resident to the residency and alien to the citizenship of the 14th Amendment. Correct. Please place this citizenship evidence firmly and permanently in my administrative file. All right, so now after that, if you wanted to start putting stuff in there, we'll get this written out eventually where everybody can use it but like i said i'm still noodling with i don't try in these matters i think about things before i put them on paper i've learned that over the years okay so but just shooting from the hip here murka i think i'd start out underneath that pardon me go ahead well, somebody's got a back conversation going on. It distracts me. So Minka's trying to talk to me while I'm okay. on. Okay. Well, Minka, Mama's engaged. It's okay. Right now. Okay. So um, yeah. I would think that one of the better places to start is either with those quotes from the statutes at large, Nationality Act, or the and uh, probably and the ones in the Immigration and Naturalization Act to show them it's in both sets of law books. Okay, and quote that, and then somewhere in there, I would suggest that you bring in that little excerpt in the dissent of U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark, where Fuller and Harlan go over the feudal system. Devin, I think it was it was Abram was asking about that the other day. Man, that's so critically important. That little site in that really important case. 
okay and he's going over and i can't quote it verbatim i'm i'll butcher it a little bit here but it says according to the act now what they're referring to in that is the civil rights act of 1866 which became the 14th amendment Okay, And so, according to the Act, this is the relationship between a liege man and a liege lord. It is absolute, unbending, and unchanged by time or space. There it is. Allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance. The relationship between a liege man and a liege lord. And I think that's pretty important to throw that in there because it gives you a really important court site to fall back on, uh, written by two pretty damn key justices, okay? Fuller, Chief Justice, and John Harlan, the great dissenter. Uh, And then you might go on and say, this ancient, you want to use the word formula, this ancient relationship between allegiance and protection is from the feudal system, and it is automatic. If I give you, you've already quoted the statutes, total allegiance to a small estate. Uh, statutorily, I owe you total allegiance. Therefore, you owe me total protection. It's automatic, it's an obligation, and it's a duty on your part. Something to that effect. Okay, I'm just shooting from the hip here, Marco. Okay? But what you're doing is you're showing them the uh, statutes, then you're showing them the court site, telling them about the relationship that some of them may not know about. I'm serious. You know, part of our job is to educate these people. And then you're coming down and explaining it to them. You don't have a choice under this ancient formula and relationship to give me protection. You've got a legal and lawful obligation and duty to provide it. There's your teeth right there. Okay? So, when we're giving them allegiance, they owe us protection. Right, Marco? Right, but I'm thinking about the allegiance and protection thing, and as being nationals, we I don't know if it would be a complete allegiance to them or to the state. Well, it's itself, well, now here you got two problems. Itself. You got the state of California and you got California State, and those guys are wearing hats for both of those. They may not even know that, okay? But they are. All right. So the state of California is the political subdivision after the bankruptcy where they took control of all the property, including you, the federal citizen. Okay. And so the protection due and owing, and that's a nice little phrase you could throw in there, due and owing, is to protect you from aliens of any sort, isn't it? I mean, if so, if the king of France or, or Macron came over and tried to charge you with something, wouldn't the state be responsible for saying, hey, you don't have any authority here, Macron. You can't do that, right? Right, right. Okay. So we're not worried about Macron over there. He's got his own problems. We're worried about these bastards in D.C. and this federal matrix if you will pretty accurate and so they're supposed to offer you protection from the intrusion of the federal government on a status that the federal government has no jurisdiction over aren't they right okay which includes traffic laws which are all uniform all over the u.s written for residents 14th amendment any laws passed by the state of california legislature which specifically identify residents 
don't apply to you, even though they're passed within your state. Any regulations from any California agency that's a subdivision of the political of the federal government through this arrangement targeted for residents well those don't apply to you anymore there there's all your traffic stuff right there and then any and all federal agencies with the exception of 871b and 877b in the internal revenue code those are the only exceptions to my knowledge but those are the things they're supposed to protect you from and it's pretty obvious that in some areas like mike in lyondale and joe up in jersey that they're not only not giving him the protection due and owing that they have a legal duty to give him, but they're throwing him under the bus and prosecuting and persecuting him under these laws, which they're supposed to be given legal and lawful protection from. Okay, I, I think this is real important. I think we're going to get some more out of it as we explore it. But this is the teeth we've been looking for right here to me. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out, like, how... Because I want to send this um, notice to the AG, and I'm trying to well, add just, something on there. You don't, I'm you don't have the, to... Look, you don't have to do this tomorrow. Let us scull it out and get it into a really <clears throat> formidable document or a way of delivering the information. It's still scattered. I'm just sitting here shooting from yeah. the hip for you, okay? But okay. Uh, it doesn't have to be done before sundown tomorrow, Okay. I'd and rather. A, um, I'd, I'd this time now that we got their feet in the fire here. I want this to be done correctly and not haphazardly. Okay. Right. 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 Yeah. I well, added. I, I added. Hold on. Yes. Well, let's finish. Oh, let me just share. I'm going to share this with um, Roger. I on the um, working on a notice for AB. So I was. I added the public law on there to show. You know to put it in front of them again on that notice also what we shared um that we are no longer um in the condition of voluntary servitude and as defined um the term national status is identified as 20 you know as a non-resident alien um just so it's all in front of it you know in front of the notice and i wanted to add something to where yeah the protection um, data on there um, now well, that we'll, all that's there. Okay, well, we'll get there. We'll get there, okay? But I, I, I really want it to be done right. I mean, we need to bring in Vitell's Law Nations in there, too. Every man has the right of personal political self-determination. There you go. Well, I'm taking my right. I've been in a condition of voluntary yeah, servitude. It's fraudulent because they never gave us full disclosure. They didn't ask you, are you a citizen of the United States or a national? That's fraud right there. When they're the same and they don't ask you that, that's fraud. Okay? So there's the first layer right there. Yeah. All right? And so right. Uh, to develop that, then put the statutes in there, bring the court side in, and inform them that they've got a legal, lawful obligation to offer us this protection and if they don't guess what we can take them to state court right okay all right sounds good so let us develop it though okay we're still exploring it i'm wait you know mark yeah i talk i called mark sunday on a couple of issues this being one of them because i know he's busy and he hadn't been listening and he wasn't even aware of this and he's going holy smokes that's really important we need to write a memorandum of law on that okay so we'll get there Okay. 
That that's another thing um, Alan mentioned because I was like uh, redoing the affidavit and doing the education affidavit for my daughter, and um, I add I was trying to add more things to the affidavit that weren't facts, and he's like, just put facts in the affidavit, well, and if you want to add to the to something t- for them to look at, it'll be like an amended. Well, here's uh, here, here, here's what I suggest that we're probably going to do. I think it's probably the better way rather than try and jam all this in to a cover letter. Okay, you want to keep that short and sweet. Here's my affidavit. Boom. Then you're going to back it up with an attachment, an exhibit that will be referenced in the cover letter. See Exhibit A. That's what it is. Okay. okay. Of the memorandum of law and yeah. get that in separately with the package. I think that might be the far and better approach because you start putting all this in a cover letter of something you want to get across short and simple. I don't think that's the place to do it. I think the memorandum of law as an exhibit is a far better way because it's referenced in the notice. Okay. So if they don't read it, shame on you. Is that Alan? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Rod, you can, you can actually add an attachment to the affidavit itself. Well, you know what? That might not be a bad. Can't have an attachment to it. That's that's not a bad idea. I see Exhibit A yeah. on the affidavit and send that some bitch to everybody. Alan, did you get that I email that I shot you last night? You got a new guy up there in your area. Yeah, I heard him yesterday, and I got the email. I hadn't tried to contact him yet. And I talked to Andy last night, and I, I told him there was another guy, and that we'd have to get in touch with him, and he was all all for that. He said, we'll get together and go get some coffee one day. And I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a, Alan, you got a Cracker Barrel close to you there? Uh, well, we can get the one. It's not too close. I have to ride in the direction one way or the other to get to Cracker Barrel, but yeah, I do go there quite often. Man, I, you know, when I was in the music business, uh, the first one of those I ever saw was just uh, south of Knoxville, and that was my territory. And I'd I'd go to Knoxville so I could eat at the Cracker Barrel on the way up and back. <laughs> Man, that place is fantastic. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, we have one here, Roger. Oh, do you? Oh, they're great. I'm telling you what. They got, hey, Mama, they got some steak and eggs in there that'll just set you free, okay? Hey, Mama, how you doing? Oh, you keeping job. You keeping Scott in line up there? I'm doing fine, and I'm glad that you guys seem to be doing good, too. We're hanging in. I metal. just want to say I was listening to the questions that Demetrius asked you, and I appreciate your answers because they're going to help me out, too, okay? All righty. Did you guys have a storm up there yesterday? I hope. You've been getting a little rain in the afternoon here? No, uh-uh. Ooh, boy, we had a frog strangler down here. No. So, okay. Well, you're lucky. You guys uh, had a storm yesterday? We've been having a storm almost every afternoon for the last... We've been having a storm almost every afternoon for 10 days. We're changing seasons. I keep hearing talk about a La Nina, a La Nina offshore coming in this year that's going to make it rain a whole bunch on the coast and then it doesn't rain up here and because the country's powered by hydroelectric power they're very concerned we're having to buy power from columbia right now oh i know i've been hearing about that too so how's your emergency light working It, it worked real good last night 
We got we were not we got electricity <laughs> knocked didn't off. Go for, out last night, did it? Oh yeah, we were off for hours last night till late. Uh, from the storm, the storm hit and a the trans- emergency light worked okay. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. You need to get a try to get a few more, okay? All right. Well, you can bring me some more when you come down next week or week after or whenever. How's Scott doing? <laughs> Are you keeping Scott in line up there? Scott's doing just fine. We had a wonderful time yesterday. Until my troublemaker friend Demetrius called me. Okay, well there, everything went south <laughs> I'm from glad there. You were able to answer his <laughs> well, we're glad I to have you, sweetie. Again? I said uh, until okay. Demetrius right. called in and everything went south, right? <laughs> yeah, but we all had a good time okay. chatting. All right. So I'll let you get back to your other calls. All okay? right. Well, there's people that have these pesky things called questions and stuff. So let me get back Marker. over to yeah. them. Yes, yes it's Scotty. Um, can I finish? Um, just wanted to double check on the attachment. So we can do it for the affidavit or should we do it for the cover letter? Well, I don't know. It just came up. I hadn't had a time to think about it. Okay. Well, you could do it with either, gonna, okay? But if okay, you attach it good. to the affidavit, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure. We need to noodle through this a little bit. But uh, yeah. either way, I think, is going to accomplish. I like the idea. Yeah, the I idea do, too. The the affidavit would be better because it's a, a little more, uh, has a little bit more um, power on it with the affidavit. Well, it's then I'm attached thinking. to, uh, you know, uh, uh, C Exhibit A attached to and incorporated by reference. That's the okay. wordage you want to use. And then I wanted, I wanted to share some common law stuff um, Art was asking about. Uh, there's that um, book that it's a handbook, this common law handbook. And it on they have it on Amazon, but we can probably look it up and get it through um, somewhere else. It's the Common Law Handbook for Sheriffs and Justices PDF Ooh. and bailiffs and jurors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the, that's what it says. It's the Common Law Handbook for and then those those um, positions. And um, Bill Thornton is a really good one, and uh, George Gordon. George Gordon is great. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you for that. Scotty, what do you got? Um, yeah, I just tried to reach out to Tom D, and it came back, male or demon. I got Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. So maybe he didn't get the first one either because it was the same address. Uh, am I wrong with that address? Tom that's, at republicbroadcasting.org. Anyone have that, it? That's what he told us. That's what he told us, and it didn't work. Hmm. Uh, well, you, he, he said he's going to communicate with him too. Well, I, I, not lately. I'm, no, I mean I have in the past, oh, you know, uh, about a year or so ago, but I don't remember all that. But I don't. Uh, just he's listening right now. So, Tom, it, it didn't work again, buddy. For whatever that's worth, I don't have another alternative. Well, I was thinking I put it to you. Um, but if you haven't sent them in a. In a because a lot happened since, the, okay. since I sent him. Right. It was like 13 send, days ago. Okay, okay Scotty. Send it I to wonder, me. I'll forward it to him. Um, may get there. May not. Well, can okay. I, okay, but just, then, can I just finish my thought? What happened since October 5th? Because the video, I was talking about a video from like years ago that my friend did. My friend's same friend made a new remake just two weeks ago of this. Uh, you're talking south of something. It's rich men south of portland thing and he only has 333 views in two weeks 
but like 40 other artists with 200 and 300,000 views in a day or in two days also made remakes even better than my buddies and they're all putting their own words their own subject their own text and they all have major followings like the long island audits guy i've been talking about and then someone in, in this chat put susan bassey from california because she found sean from long island audits and she has just as a massive following as him and so uh sean just did another video 17 hours ago it has like 600,000 he's got a thing set up in Nassau County for people to come down in the court a lot is going down just in the last three weeks from this one song that like 40 people with all with hundreds of thousands of viewers and hours are all getting together and waking up and um, that's what I'm trying to share to Tom so I'll, I'll forward it to you if you want to click on it just simple links of songs and you can see that people are waking up overnight while we're oh, yeah. sleeping, oh, what I've been describing. Well, I know it's happening. Okay, I, so heard, I'll I, heard Owen, you. I heard Owen okay. talking about how many people, like I'm assuming he's talking about Sean Hannity and Shapiro, all these war hawks, that you can go on the web and, and, and get some sort of listener statistic. They're losing hundreds of thousands of viewers and watchers. Okay. I think Scotty's right. People are, are they're just flat sick of this war crap. They're seeing through a lot of this stuff. Even the people in Israel, 90% of the people in Israel think that was a false flag that happened over there. So, yeah, there's a great awakening. And the more people that wake up, the tighter the corner that these guys are painted into, in my opinion. Uh, I was just listening, trying to catch up. One more Paul. thing. One more thing. The the one more thing. The proof is in the comments. You can see the comments aren't AI comments. You could see their real comments right. and their rapid fire. I'm seeing it with my own eyes over yeah. the last maybe four yeah, weeks. I'm, I'm so hearing, I'm it, hearing, this is happening, brother. Yeah, it is going I know, down. Okay. I know. I'm hearing people like Alex talk about it and, and so Owen and stuff. So uh, I understand. And uh, what what can I say, Scotty? Damn, it's about time. <laughs> my comment um okay back to where we I, what i was going to say i was listening to paul's last week show and he he takes little musical interludes uh paul our paul there did you hear that country and western song he played last week i will not comply did you hear him play that last week boy that's good um so anyway it, right before we went on the air i was listening to that i was uh it's a toe tapper baby it's a toe tapper uh so Merca, i think this is very viable and and you could either attach it by reference to the cover letter to the state or you could attach it by reference in the affidavit that you send to the secretary of state so they know what we got against them so okay. I don't know. I hadn't thought it through yet. It's just spec. See this. You sit back. You let the dust settle. You think it through. Because what you don't want to do is come back seven, eight days later and go, "Damn, I wish I'd have put that in there." Better to wait and get it right. Now I'm going to work with Mark on this memorandum yeah, of law, okay, and get something that's written up good. All right, hopefully. Uh, so we'll keep you up to date on the progress of that it ain't gonna be tomorrow okay 
It just takes a little time. I feel like I, if I do edit something, you know, I can just resend it, you know, notarize but, it and send it again. But the key things um, if for the audience to talk about, the key things you want to think about are the public law and the uh, code law on this statement, a national owes total allegiance to a U.S. state. Now, that is right. from the public law. That's statutes at large stuff. Okay? That's yes, constitutional. That's, that's all right? And and that's yeah. that's that's what makes that so important. I'm going to be this national guy. We found it. Hey, slavers, we found it. I'm going to be this national guy over right. here. And it says statutorily by the Congress that I owe total allegiance to a small s state. Say so you want to put those in there because that sets the table. Then you come in and you start showing right. them the relationship. That's the excerpt from Wong Kim Ark and that dissent describing the situation. Okay. Then you go down and we'll find something on this jurisdictional thing and you go into the fact that, you know, this isn't a choice there, Mr. Attorney General. This is a legal lawful obligation and duty on your part, buddy. You can't wiggle out of this. You owe us protection from these people, and you wouldn't want to say this unless you could do it real gingerly. If you don't follow through with your obligations, you're liable in court for dereliction well, of duty. We could probably save. Okay. Well, that's what's happening. Here. Yeah. So anyway, but we could probably say, Roger. We can probably say, you know, uh, I'll be contacting you if there's any. Anything that happens. No, 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 no. no. Here's what you do. If you've got any objections, please reply within 30 days. Okay. All right. So these are little look, things, but let it, let us scroll it through and, and get it down. Don't go, you know, don't go running into the pen when the pit bulls are in there. Let's get it right. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Now, is there anybody else out there with questions or comments on that? Anything else? Whatever you want to bring. Now's the time to bring it. There's Star Six. I heard that. Uh-oh. And I was thinking about the days, uh, the time that we give them. They they give us 72 hours with the traffic, so shouldn't it be 72 hours? Uh, generally, when you're talking court stuff, if you're, like, uh, going back and forth with motions and all that stuff, it's usually, if I remember right, 20 business days. So you could use 20, 30, whatever you want to put on there. But you want to put a time limit on, because then if they don't object within the time limit when it's stated, again, guess what happens? Silence deems consent. Oh, Mr. AG, I told you, here's the memorandum. You had 30 days to address it, and you didn't. I guess you agree with it then, don't you? Right. We've got power, folks. We've just never learned and understood how to properly utilize it. And I think we're on the road to that right here. Because this is powerful stuff, man. This is their duty and obligation to us that is automatic, not a choice, statutory, and historical. They don't have any wiggle room here. None. Either you're going to recognize this, 
or you're going to show yourself to be an accomplice to the fraudulent slavery scheme imposed by the federal government. You want to be an accomplice to that, or you want to recognize your legal and lawful duty and obligation? Your choice, Mr. Attorney General. Right? Yep. Anything wrong with that? Anybody see anything wrong with that? There you go. All right, where else can we go? I know there's more folks that want to communicate with us here. You just don't be so shy and don't have the cat get your tongue, and you can hit star six and come on aboard. Well, I guess must be teaching something right. Nobody's got any questions. Remember, the only dumb question is the one that isn't asked. May I? You may. Okay, so um, we we uh, I don't know where we get this silence is acquiescence because um, it's not true. No, no, no. Hold it, Gigi. You keep bringing this this stuff to us that you're absolutely dead wrong on. You know where that comes from? Henry the Eighth. That's Cheryl. Hen. Okay, Henry the Eighth. When he was trying to get money, he brought all the bishops into a Do you want to listen and learn, or do you want to object? I've had the judge object to it to my default. I defaulted him after, uh, you know, six months. I gave so much time. And then, you know, so silence was not acquiescence. They came back after me after two years. Okay, well, see, I don't know everything that preceded all that, but silence deems consent. If you want to listen, I'll tell you where it came from. If you don't want to listen, then I won't tell you. Another thing, too, it depends if they use the U.S. system or the common law, too, procedure. Right. Well, that, uh, well, listen, that it doesn't matter which. It, it, it's an active in civil stuff, too. You know, if they send you something and you don't object, they consider it to be consent. They'll file a damn motion Can to default on it. Can we put it into a marriage? Into a marriage. In marriage vows, you know, sorry. they say, I'm sorry to interrupt. A speak now or forever hold your peace. Yeah. Well, where this came up for the audience, Brent, I didn't know this before Brent, okay? It makes total sense. If you say something and they don't object, then they must agree to it, right? I don't care what some damn corrupt judge. Hell, the damn judiciary's loaded with corrupt judges. Look at Trump. Look at Owen Stroyer. They just got another guy out of Michigan sending him to jail for... He's got five children sending him to jail for 60 days. Okay? We got a corrupt judiciary. But that doesn't make these concepts not right. It just makes them corrupt uh, overtly. Henry VIII, when he was going through all of his wives and trying to finance all his stuff and get a divorce from the Pope, and the Pope wouldn't give him the decree to divorce whichever one of those wives he had. And so he brought all the bishops in the country into a room outside of London. And he said, you're either going to basically follow my law or you're going to lose your head. And nobody said anything, and he goes, silence deems consent. That's where it came from. Henry VIII. Okay. 
So I don't give a damn what some corrupt judge, one of these Obama appointees, one of these absolute political what about this bitch in dc she not even she's not even an american for god's sakes she was a jamaican and her brother and father were so absolute uh extremists that they kicked them out of the damn socialist group in jamaica that's her parents and her brother okay that's who's deciding the trump thing in dc the one that just put a gag order on him yesterday So don't hang your hat on what some judge told you. You see what the what? What about the judge in Joe's trial? Do you buy gasoline? Yeah, bam! I got jurisdiction. Excuse me. Excuse. I buy toothpaste too. Does that give you jurisdiction? Well, I mean, these are the battles we're fighting. This is how far down the road we are, folks. We're trying to pull the our butts out of the fire and help educate some of these people. We got total, solid, legal, and lawful foundation. Total, 100%. There's never been one objection from the Secretary of State on what probably millions of these affidavits have been sent in. My guess. Okay? From me. So... Yes, it does apply whether your judge recognized it or not. That's why they have defaults, because you didn't reply. Yes, Mirka. Yeah, so who do you go to when, when it's okay. a court defaulting right. on a United All right, well, you take... You, and then you, they come back years so, later. God almighty. You're, you're, you take you're it to the appellate you. level. That's what you do. Okay, I'm not... All right, I'm not familiar with that. If I may, you got to see the other side that they're also operating on presumption, assumption, and belief. And whatever they say in their fictional thing, if it's not rebutted, your silence make that fact from that point forward. And then, still at the end, when they get you to cop a plea, it makes all the wrongdoing that they all did all along okay. So you have to see the other you side t- of it by you, us being silent when they're saying bullshit. It, we have to we have to rebut it in writing. And your so step, you if you if you strong. disagree with that, you take it to the appellate level. That's the next level. I was told years ago that that's the first place you get real law. You're not going to get real law from your local little judge. Was that a state court or a federal court? State. Take it to the state appellate level. Appeal it. If you're not out of time already, you may be out of time on it. But if you get one of these decisions on one of these foundational principles, you appeal it to the next level. But now be appraised going in that that takes your life away while you're doing it. Okay, But that's your remedy. And if they rule against you, you take it to the state Supreme Court and see if they'll accept it. So, anybody got any? I can add more to that. Yeah, I can add more to that. If you put it in writing and and you do it and they don't respond, you still have it in writing years later and you use U.S. versus Tweel silences. So, you gave them the info. They didn't act on it. So, years later, there's no statutes of limitations because it's fraud. It's re. So, it all comes to putting it in writing anyway. Yeah, very true. They're all speaking. 
And when you speak, they're behind the backs. What you're speaking, they're doing what they say. Anything you say can and will be used against you. They're making records of this fiction of what you said, a presumption of what you said, based on what they thought they saw, what they think it was. You know, it's the sacred cow of public safety, usually. So the deal is put it in writing. The, the, the maxims are the written word is forever. The spoken word flies out the window. Later, when things arise and you start seeing some real, where you actually start seeing the hangings, then this paperwork will be effective. There won't be no statutes of limitations on the fraud and the RICO. So put it in writing. You, you have to have the particularity. You have to have the parasites with particularity. Who, what, where, when, and how. And then later, you could do the why, doing videos, and get some other people interested, like that's going on with Sean and these these videos of this parody of that. It's not actually a parody of that song. These are rappers putting one guy's talking about the jab, another guy's talking about the money. Uh, so everybody's adding their own input and their own their own rant. So I'll yield there. You got to look at the big picture on top of the other picture on top of the other picture. Put it in writing. Name who these people are, where, when, and how, what they did. I yield. May I please? Yes. Sky, please stay for the after show. I have some extremely good news you'll love to hear. I'm done. All right. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Um, but silence does deem consent. I mean, King Henry VIII didn't have to say it. just makes common sense. You know, if, if you're if you're in the middle of something with one of these a law firm or somebody else and you're exchanging motions and and different paperwork uh, in, in the court, you, you've got 20 days to respond. And if you don't respond, it's considered accepted. So don't say that it doesn't apply because it does just because you got a squirrely ass judge in whatever state you're in. Uh, there, there's a bunch of them out there. Remember uh, Edward Gibbons. Yeah. Remember Edward Gibbons' comment from the rise and fall of the Roman Empire: "The first engine of tyranny is a corrupt judiciary, and we got one in spades." You don't believe it? Listen to Robert Barnes on Sunday night. Oh yeah. Hey, Raj, may I? Yes. Cheryl, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you know how you can tell if a lawyer's lying? Any idea? His lips are moving. His lips are moving. Are you, exactly. Are you close Just to Just because the... that judge told you that it didn't matter doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. He was just buffaloing you into thinking that he has the authority to override silence Steam's consent. Your next words out of your mouth is objection. Silence deems consent is time attested law and yep. fact. Man, common sense. If I tell you the sky's green, what? if I tell you the sky's green and you don't tell me it's blue, then I guess we both think it's green, don't we? That's right. Roger. There's Gary. People, you got to remember that it doesn't matter if you're dealing with the electric company, the secretary of state, or a judge. You got to complete your administrative process. Yep, true that. Period. 
You know, I remember a guy, I saw a guy on YouTube one night talking about contracts, you know, and one of the examples he was using was when you get these offers for a credit card. You ever heard this, Gary? When you get these offers for a credit card and they go, we're going to charge you 20 cent percent APR, right? And you scratch that out and put 1.5 and you fill out the form and send it to them. If they don't object... Your credit card's got 1.5% interest. You can hold their feet to the fire because they didn't object to the change in the contract. And remember, everything we do in today's society, everything we do is contract. Sure. That's the Babylonian way, baby. I mean, it makes sense, too. There was contract. Right. There, there was contracts in common law, too. Okay. But this whole system here is built on that idea. And the reason they said they couldn't do that con- common law was insufficient for contracting is because they don't make no stinking money off of it. It had nothing to do with any other crap, but they can't make money where they can make a ton of money off of the way they're contracting under the Babylonian system. And, you know, Cheryl, I would remind you that if, I don't know how many years ago this was, 15, where this judge in Oklahoma, y'all remember this situation? I bet you do, Gary. When this judge was caught masturbating under his desk during open court. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, just take that with a grain of salt for whatever it's worth, all right? Practice now, Roger. I, I mean, but silence deep consent is exhibited every day and all all over the country in legal proceedings. Is that Wayne? Yeah, hey, hey bud. Hey, man. I just wanted to throw something in, if I could. Um, listening to the discussion over the last couple of days about which state we're dealing with, would it help be helpful to distinguish which two conditions these states are in? And uh, one would be the de facto state, yep. be the state of Texas or state of California, right. which is actually illegitimate. And if I could read this one phrase out of Black Sixth about a de facto government, it says, one that maintains itself by a display of force against the will of the rightful legal government and is successful, at least temporarily, in overturning the institutions of the rightful government by setting up its own in lieu of. And that perfectly describes to me the de facto state of whoever. I believe. And going to the opposite. Which, sure. Hey, I believe that needs to be I in that. In oh, you may in a second. I believe that needs to be in this memorandum of law. Thank you, Wayne. Sure. And the other, the other issue is the de jure is that small s state of Texas. Right. Which operates on constitutional rules, total compliance with the law. So if we start distinguishing de facto versus de jure, I think it would help uh, people learn the whole thing better. That's why I suggest you differentiating between the state of Texas and Texas State. It's the same thing. Yeah. Now, who's general? Hold on. We'll let Wayne finish. I'm going to get to you. Just hold on. Wayne, uh, button it up. Sure. Uh, and here's the question. I think early in the show, uh, someone said that the state AG would not uh, pay attention to their uh, notice or whatever. But it's like, here's the question. If you're addressing the AG of the de facto state of Missouri, 
or Texas, does he have an obligation to provide yes. you allegiance? Yes, he does. I'm sorry. Yes, he does, because he wears a hat over both of those states, doesn't he? Well, yeah, but you have to really pull, pull make him pull well, that hat on. Well, right? you, you, you got, um, I, you know, honestly, Wayne, I think most of them have no idea of this, quite frankly. Okay. So what we're doing is re-educating them. Yeah, you need to let them know. <laughs> and it that statute's at large, that statement, a national owes total allegiance to a small s state, proves it's there. There 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 is right, no discussion how, over that. Right, but how would we wrote, write it, put it down in writing? I don't know, Mirka. We haven't that, we, that's what we're that's what uh, we're going to at large is a good example we're going to try and refine all that that's what i'm trying to tell you just let, let the dust settle a little bit okay yeah. and gary was trying to get in there too well somebody else was too you're welcome wayne good to hear from you man you're going to start doing some meetings yeah, or something scary. out there didn't you tell me when you get all this stuff behind you I thought that was you that told me that in an email. Okay, regardless. Who else had something to comment on that discussion? This is Sketch. Sketch. This is Sketch. I, I'm sorry I couldn't pass this up, but is Justice blind when the, the judge is caught masturbating? I hope so. <laughs> okay. I yield. I'm sorry. I couldn't pass it up. Okay, yeah. no problem. I mean that Gary, I even Gary hate to I hate to bring that up on the air, quite frankly, but it really happened, folks. Yes. Gary? Yeah, it's yeah, it's like the dad standing at the teenage boy's door going, I told you you'd go blind if right. you keep doing that. <laughs> right. Dad, I'm over here. Okay. Let <laughs> let's let's deviate from that a little bit. Gary? Was Gary trying to get in? Who was trying to get in a minute ago besides Sketch? Gary. Gary, now yeah, Gary. Was, Gary, Gary. He threw his hands up. Yeah, probably. Can you hear me? I hear you now, big boy. Well, I just wanted to say that uh, what Wayne described most adequately was the Civil War, and then it was d- done again in 33. Yep. It was set up in the civil, the un, the war to bring in the civil law, as Daryl calls it, very accurate. And then it was finalized in 33. They, this was such a big deal for them. They couldn't do it in just two steps. They had to get the civil war and get the second status in there. Then they had to go and get control of the money with the Federal Reserve Act. Then they had to do their their little deal and and flip it. And then they've had to do all this. They had to get Brown versus Board of Education in there to equalize the statuses. They had to do all of that, all those steps, hide the term national in 1940. They had to do all those steps to put the 1954 Internal Revenue Code in place. Remember, we talked about this the other day. The first move they made outside of the Civil War, as they got into the rest of the agenda, the first move they made was to ratify the fraudulent 16th Amendment. They did that nine months before they passed the Federal Reserve Act. And the last thing they did was put the Internal Revenue Code in place. Does that tell you, does that give you an insight and indication of how damn important the tax aspect of this is? 
It's the only way the system works. Roger, the Senate report of March the 9th, I believe, talks about the now seized all property or own all property. I, I forget the verbiage. Yeah. But people, what property do you think they're talking well, about? Well, that's just it. When people see that, they think land <laughs> and houses. They don't think people. Exactly. Okay, and that's exactly, exactly what they, they were referring to. Yep. These are some sneaky little bastards they are. Little Satan's children. If you uh, study your history, you'll find out that during the WPA, and that's the work projects that Roosevelt mm-hmm. instituted to bring us out of the Depression, Oh yeah, which really didn't work until the war. However, guess what two things you had to agree to to sign up and be on those projects? Be a citizen of the United One, States and a resident. You had to become. You had to agree that you were a citizen and a resident, and you had to sign up for Social Security. Well, yeah, maybe in the latter days, Social Security wasn't in action until the late '30s. Uh, and I remember John teaching us this. It got shot down when they tried to pass it the first time. Roosevelt came back and got it passed in a treaty. I don't know which one. Okay, but uh, I guarantee you. See, here's their dilemma. They switch from the gold system. They put everybody into this condition where you're the backing for the new paper money. But then if if they've got the printing press and everything, Gary, and they got unlimited ways to print it here, they had a, a 12 years of birth certificates and other financial documents as the backing, why was there such a deep depression? And it was a deflationary depression, remember? That means there's not enough currency circulating. The two differences, that's a deflationary, and then what we're in right now is an inflationary deal. There's too many dollars chasing too few goods. So why did it take eight years when they could have instantly alleviated it? Have you ever thought about that, Gary? I don't guess he has. Why do you think they did that? I'll open that question. Why did they do that? Hey, Roger, sorry, I went back in to continue to work, but what was the question? Why in the 30s, when they could get the printing press and the new Federal Reserve note system, why was there a deflationary depression? Where there's not enough currency? Because the the Fed stole all our, our currency and shipped it to Europe and did well, arbitrage no, no, for $60 an ounce. Well, you're, no, they didn't do that with currency. They did that with gold. Now we switched the systems where we got this currency based on you being a serf and your labor. Why couldn't they have put out enough circulating medium to stop a deflationary depression for 10 years? Or 8, 7, whatever it was. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. You well, got the an bottom answer? line is they did more. They wanted the Depression. They already had World War II set up, and they had to convince people to get in. Why? Why? That's what I'm looking for. So they could condition you. They could condition you. And the other thing is, they brought all these works, progresses, uh, A, and all the alphabet letter things that Roosevelt started so they could pay those people for their labor in the new currency. 
remember, you can you can spend money into circulation or you can loan money into circulation at interest. Well, they got an interest-bearing system here, but they were spending it and paying those guys in that currency. They weren't pumping it out and making a bunch of loans available where you could get it circulating. They were using psychological conditioning to get you and the people at that time conditioned into dependency on the federal government and to be in serfs. That's my theory. Anybody want to shoot a hole? You want to shoot a hole? Abram, can you shoot a hole in that? Can you shoot a hole in that? Uh, no, I can I can support it though. Okay. Uh, prior to uh, to uh, uh, the deflationary period in Cleveland, which used to be an incredibly wealthy port or section of the United States, they built in the Fed office there the one of the largest vaults in the world that had the largest hinges ever built. Wow! In advance of all this, because they knew that when they had this deflationary period, that there wouldn't be enough money to circulate right. to pay the bills. Right. So literally, there was no. Just no money. And so that, they went, they had that, this giant vault built to uh, hide the assets. Right. That's also called a banker's harvest. Have you ever heard that referred to as a banker's harvest, Abram? That's what they're doing now. I have not. Well, that's when they come in and harvest yep. your collateral. Because they've set up a situation that's where what you can't. In, uh, that's, what, and 12. that's what they're doing right now, buddy. Foreclosures went up 33% over last year. They went up 24% over last month. There's 3,000-plus cars being. The troubled asset. Right. So, anyway, that, that's where we are the right now. relief plan. Right. And they're having to raise the interest rates and the bonds, and that's just that's, that's screwing the pooch because they don't want to raise it, and it's forcing them into this condition, okay? I think these guys have painted themselves into a financial corner, and I kind of agree with Jim Willie and the fact that guy from the BIS that the only way – they can get out of this is by buying as much gold as they can get according to according to jim willie hundreds of thousands of tons and they're gonna when the thing pops they're gonna prop the price of gold up to ten thousand that'll bring them out of the debt thing they've created for themselves and by the way it'll put the whole world on a gold standard including the brick stuff too which is good news so, uh, end of the show today. Good, brisk disi- uh, discussion. Appreciate everyone that brought something to the forefront and that participated. And I hope you got something out of today. We'll continue to noodle on this protection element that just jumps out at me is really important. Okay? And uh, so, otherwise than that, Mother Earth's going to swallow you here, according to Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And you're going to have to lay your body down. So, Get ready for it, kids. There you go. And we'll see you tomorrow on the uh, Thursday edition. And maybe I'll be able to keep up with stuff enough today where we can talk a little bit about it tomorrow. And uh, otherwise than that, Scotty's going to stay on the after session. And somebody's going to tell him something real important. So if you're on the uh, forum with us, you get to hear that. And if you're not, you can listen to it on Paul's recording because he keeps recording. 